Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. This is the show that brings leading minds to discuss the latest challenges and trends transforming and modernizing the utility industry of the future. And a quick thank you to Scott Madden, our sponsor of today's episode. Now, let's talk energy. Matt Chester, the Energy Central Community Manager and host of today's podcast, and I'm coming to you from Orlando, Florida. Utilities today are juggling more than ever before when it comes to the demand on the grid, influence from outside stakeholders, and the growing urgency of their key goals, goals that can more or less be boiled down to the principles of reliability, affordability, and sustainability. Increasingly, though, these goals are being pitted against one another. Some stakeholders want to embrace clean energy for the emissions reductions at all costs, while others are seeing risks to grid reliability from rising intermittent resources and positioning that as a dangerous proposition. And through it all, the equity requirement for lower income power buyers may be at risk with reliability and sustainability being you know, somewhat more expensive propositions. Because of that, you know, sometimes these goals are acting less like the three legs of a stool and more like three juggling balls that grid operators and utilities alike are bouncing between. But this conversation is a critical one. And one of the leaders of that conversation is today's guest to the Energy Central Power Perspective podcast. Kristen Lyons is partner and energy practice leader at Scott Madden. And she recently presented a well-received talk at the EUCI Leadership Conference for Women in Energy that she called Energy, a Sector in Transformation. In this conversation with utility leaders, Kristen highlighted the rising tension in these various utility goals, and even more critically, has taken this as an opportunity to talk solutions. And so we wanted to give her a platform to dive even deeper into this topic. And so we're excited to welcome her in today. Without further ado, let's do just that. So Kristen Lyons, welcome to today's episode of the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be with you today. Absolutely. And, and before we dive into the specific topic at hand, I want to give you a chance to share a bit more about your background. Can you explain to our listeners what your role is at Scott Madden and how it is that you and your team interact with utilities? And then personally, how did you get started down that pathway? Thanks, Matt. So I lead Scott Madden's energy practice and we work with utilities, electric and gas primarily, but we also do some water work. And I describe our work as primarily operationalizing strategic imperatives. And what that's looked like in recent years is as our clients have been asked to do things like create a make-ready infrastructure program for electric vehicles. We help them figure out both how to create that program and to file that with the regulator. And we do that kind of work across all aspects of electric and gas utilities, from generation all the way through distribution and distributed energy resources. So I started at Scott Madden straight out of business school, and we'll just say it was a little while ago. And I started in the sector at a time when utilities actually weren't that interesting. As long as the lights stayed on, you know, we had the occasional hurricane that got people's attention, but this was not a part of the economy that drew a lot of attention except when things went wrong. And going back to that era, we really saw investment across different sectors kind of follow trends. So you would see change and a bit of upheaval in one sector at a time. For instance, you know, in the 90s, we saw wholesale deregulation and that drew a lot of investment into the generation side of the business. Then if you move into the the 2000s, everyone wanted to connect all that new generation so that markets function more effectively. That led to a lot of investment in transmission. So move forward another decade or two, and we have 
a lot of focus on the smart grid, as we called it then, what we now call grid modernization, and the emergence of distributed energy resources. What I would say about today is that because utilities are literally in the center of this clean energy transition, we are seeing all three of those parts of utilities change tremendously. And they're getting a lot of focus both from regulators and stakeholders, and a tremendous amount of money is flowing into all aspects of utility operations. So it's really changing things dramatically as we move through this latest iteration. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really interesting. And mentioned in the introduction, but our, our utility professionals listening in, they'll note the that growing tension between the competing goal or sometimes competing goals of reliability, affordability, and clean energy. And I'm wondering, as we shift from what you call it, kind of the almost more boring utilities of the past to the, the dynamic and ever-changing ones moving forward, can you put the interplay of those goals into context in terms of what has your research shown about what the tension might mean for, for the years to come? Sure. Some are actually calling this the trilemma. It's no longer a dilemma that we're facing. It's a trilemma because of the competing priorities that we're all facing. And I think it's worth thinking about this from a historical perspective. So in the past, utilities really focused on providing reliable service at reasonable cost. So it was really those two imperatives that drove them. And we structured state and federal regulation to support those goals. That was actually the original intent of wholesale markets to give people access to lower cost, reliable power. And since then, we have layered over those two original goals, the need to reduce GHG emissions. We're seeing environmental justice and equity emerge as yet another priority for many stakeholders. It's important to remember that the regulatory and market structures that remain in place today weren't designed to favor the kind of goals that we now have in the system. So there's a natural tension there. The regulatory structures and actually evolving utility structures were designed to maximize what we had in those wholesale markets and what the state regulators and federal regulators required. So now, as we layer on these different objectives, there's this natural tension that's growing, and I think it's going to continue to grow. Our clean energy commitments are increasing. We have a lot of incentive money from IIJA and the IRA pushing further investment in the sector. And unfortunately, what we're seeing is that those investments are not necessarily going to increase reliability, at least not in the short term. But grid operators and utilities are responsible for keeping the system reliable. So this disconnect across where various entities can make money and what the grid needs to keep the lights on is pretty fundamental to the challenge that we're facing right now. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And it kind of leads into another point that I made in the introduction of during this past summer, you gave a talk to leaders in the utility industry on this very topic. And I'm curious, as you gave that, can you share a bit about the feedback you got? Were the utility leaders generally on your side with the facts you were sharing or are they kind of pushing back? How did that interplay uh, come about? I'll start off by saying that I was a little bit nervous in being as direct on this topic as I was in that talk. The reason being is that it's only in the last year or so that the industry has started to talk more openly about concerns, particularly around reliability, that are emerging. So I was a little bit nervous having that conversation. Having said that, the feedback I got was very consistent and it aligned almost entirely with the point that I was making in that talk. And that is, we need to worry about all three aspects, the three legs of the stool that you were describing, but everyone is concerned about our ability to meet all of those goals simultaneously, particularly given the short time frame that we've laid out for meeting them. I was heartened that that message resonated with so many people. There were vice presidents and control room operators in the room, and they all said, yes, this, this makes sense to us. 
must have been a, a great experience to have that positive feedback. And and if those power companies are then generally agreeing with you about the risk and the tension, why do you think it is that it continues to persist? It's not about you having to convince them there's a problem. They agree there's a problem. So what's the holdup? Is there outside influence from regulators who are weighing in too greatly and tipping the scales? Are there common mistakes from utilities? You know, what's kind of the main hurdle then? Well, I think, first of all, it's not necessarily utilities that are setting the priorities for the speed of the clean energy transition. I think that's an important distinction. You see many utilities that are putting goals out there in 2050, whether it's zero emissions, real zero emissions. And those goals have been put out there for a number of years by many players in the industry. What we're seeing is that the speed of this transition is such that we're seeing the reliability concerns pop up much earlier than that 2050 timeframe. So while many utilities are making those commitments, it's the federal government and state legislators and other stakeholders that are creating some of this disconnect with ongoing reliable operations. My concern is that as we see these clean energy goals becoming more and more aggressive, and and I don't disagree at all that having clean energy as a priority is important. In some cases, I think we're setting those goals in a bit of a vacuum without having adequately studied what's going to happen to our resource mix through this transition. At Scott Madden have looked at how the grid is actually operating in the resource mix under extreme conditions, like during Winter Storm Elliott last year. And and the grid continues to be extremely reliant on our traditional resources, be they nuclear, natural gas. If you're in the Midwest, it's coal. And turning those off overnight, it creates big challenges. The other side of this is, you know, many people see natural gas as playing a long-term, albeit different role in the generation mix. But we're seeing on the policy side, whether that's from an infrastructure siting perspective or from a financing perspective, really all of those things are working against any kind of fossil infrastructure. So there's kind of this zero-sum approach to these challenges that makes some of this really, really difficult. Eliminating, again, our reliance on natural gas as a baseload fuel or even a peaker is very, very difficult given the rest of the grid today. The last thing I want to mention is that it's not just the utilities that are raising concerns about reliability. Just in the last, I'll say, six to eight months, the heads of the New York ISO, PJM, and two FERC commissioners, plus NERC, have all raised concerns about the rate of change of the generation mix. So that's experts in the industry who really, they don't own these assets and they're not setting policy. They're simply raising the flag. Boy, we are worried about what's coming. Yeah, excellent. And so, Kristen, one of the topics that that we chatted about as we were getting up to this conversation is is the nature of integrated system planning. And one of the ideas that we we mentioned was how some utilities might seem stuck in almost a siloed approach of that. Hopefully, maybe you can speak to what you think it is that causes that way of thinking and what the most effective way is for stakeholders to maybe shake up that status quo and, and get away from a siloed approach. I think the whole concept of integrated system planning is a very important topic in discussions today. And again, I think we have to go back to the history to talk about what makes this so difficult in the era we're in. So if you go back to you know the 90s when we were deregulating, when we were looking at different market structures, when we were looking at the emergence of wholesale markets, what we had was very regional approaches to those questions that have created a lot of different business models across the country. For instance, 
you have integrated utilities with generation, transmission, and distribution that do not participate in a market at all. You have the same type, the same type of integrated utility that is in a market. That's very much the MISO model. You have wires-only companies that sit in ISOs like New England or New York. You have some of those companies in MISO as well. California is a bit of a mixed bag. So you have all of these different market structures that have emerged with very different goals, like going back to what I said earlier, we were focused on getting low, lowest cost power or building transmission or building out the distribution system. And those have all really pushed us to siloed approaches to planning those assets. And now what we're faced with is almost an existential challenge of climate change where we need to look holistically at what is the best possible solution, assuming that capital is constrained, what is the best possible solution to solving this question of greenhouse gas emissions. So that's kind of the driver that we're facing now. But that driver can only push so far when you have these market structures that are in place that differ so dramatically across the industry. So the work that we're doing in this area, we just recently benchmarked a number of utilities on how they're going about this. The good news is that a lot of people are talking about it. And I think that we're going to start to see a migration of these planning functions back to starting to look at the more holistic question of what is the best possible resource mix, understanding that we have a lot of a lot of different resources now in the mix that we didn't used to. We have a lot of resources available on the distribution system that 20 years ago we weren't even talking about. We have things like energy storage, which can play across different parts of the energy ecosystem. And we have a lot of new options on the generation side. So there's a need. I would say some companies are starting down this path, but it is far from a uh, resolved question, shall we say. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And I want to go back to something else you were talking about earlier, where, you know, it's not just the utilities that are you know looking at this and maybe responsible for it, but there's the policymakers, there's other non-technical folks who have an influence over the power sector, but they might not fully understand the complexities of the grid and its competing goals like the utilities do. What do you think we need to do, if anything, about that sort of a knowledge gap? Is it about educating these policymakers? Is it putting more hands into the power of the utility folks who do understand those issues? How do we kind of move forward in a way that we make sure the smartest decisions are made? I think education is really key. Going back to when utilities were boring, as we were talking about earlier, utilities have never been great about educating their customers about how power is made, how utility bills are generated, what it means to have a clean energy resource and how you pay for that on your bill. Like none of that's been particularly A, important to consumers or B, a priority for utilities. So now we're at a place where the customer is generally not very educated about how all these things work. And the utility is a little bit on the back foot because they're expected to change things that people really don't understand in the first place. So education is absolutely critical. And I think both sides have the opportunity to constructively engage in this process. I think some stakeholders suggest that utilities are not unbiased participants because, of course, they make money from having assets in the ground and they make money from power being delivered to customers. So I think we need to broaden the group of people that really understand the complexities of utility planning and have these kinds of dialogues with those various stakeholders. The other thing I, I think utilities, again, if you go back to how they have typically worked from a reliability and a cost perspective, they've never had an incentive to do things very differently or to, quote, try things out. You know, utilities are often criticized for not being more innovative. 
Well, they have been rewarded by keeping the lights on and frankly being an uninteresting kind of entity. And today we're in a world where we want them to try things out to see what's going to work in this new world that we're living in. So that model of having utilities start to pilot things and giving them cost recovery for those types of efforts, I think make a, makes a lot of sense. And we're seeing states like New York and California, Illinois is moving in this direction. All of that, I think, is going to be beneficial to the entire industry as we things see things that work and don't work. We need to be good stewards of customer dollars in that regard. And if things don't work, we need to write up the lessons learned and move on. The other piece that I think is worth considering is that because we have considered utilities from a cost and reliability perspective, we've very much focused on the least cost best fit kinds of investments. As we're making trade-offs that move us away from this is the least cost for the customer, okay, well, it's a little bit more cost, but it's a cleaner option. Let's be transparent about those. So people understand your, your utility bill may go up, but boy, we were able to take out this much in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, and it's good for everybody. And telling that story, I think, could be beneficial for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're happy to have you on the podcast to do for us today is to tell that story. And, and what I'd love to do next is maybe try to make that story even more tangible. Are there any existing experiences or specific stories that you're able to share where you and your team have gotten involved to show how that grid planning process can and should be done correctly? Or maybe on the other side, without naming any names, any efforts where it seemed doomed from the start based on the knowledge gap or the lack of systematic approach or, or you know, eschewing any of these, these great pieces of advice that you've been sharing with us today? I can give you a couple of different examples. As I mentioned before, we're talking a lot about integrated system planning with clients. We just did this benchmarking effort that had some very interesting lessons learned. And coming from that experience, a couple of thoughts. So first, there are companies that chose through deregulation, wholesale markets, et cetera, they chose not to break out any of those functions. So they remain fully integrated outside of market. And what we've observed is that some companies that have retained that structure are doing much more closely linked and integrated planning across generation, transmission, and distribution. So the way that's showing up between transmission and generation is in a state that doesn't necessarily have any um, carbon goals itself, but the company in that state has chosen to take on GHG emissions targets. They're saying, okay, this is where the best resources are going to be from a renewables perspective, and this is the transmission we need to build out to get there. So they're actively thinking through what their entire system needs to look like to support their internal goals for clean energy. This same company is also actively pursuing the best possible solutions across transmission and distribution for purposes of customer cost and reliability. So that's a great example of a, a company that is actually looking to do more in terms of integration, but is off to a really good start given the world we're living in. I think at the other end of the spectrum, one of the things we're seeing is a number of states are pushing for what they call integrated distribution plans. And I've had the opportunity to work on some of these, I and a number of people on my team. And what we're seeing is state regulatory commissions or legislatures that are pushing very hard to focus solely on the distribution system. And what that turns into is very strong focus on energy efficiency, which is great, strong focus on interconnection of distributed energy resources, pilot programs, et cetera. And in some of these proceedings, you see a lot of focus on environmental justice as well. All of those goals in and of themselves, great, and they're things that we should be focused on. But without looking at the transmission 
transmission system. I think you miss an opportunity to integrate some of those solutions and really determine what's going to have the biggest bang for the buck from a carbon perspective. So while these proceedings in and of themselves can be beneficial, I think their benefits can be limited by lack of integration to other parts of the utility system. Those examples are definitely helpful for us. A lot of what we're talking about is kind of the programmatic or the systematic approach and and how these decisions are made. But a lot of times with the utility sector, it also comes down to the technology. So how do you see technological developments playing a role in these challenges and the optimal approaches and integrated systems planning moving forward? Do new technologies create new benefits for the utilities in such planning? Or with the advent of DERs, EVs growing on the grid, does that just make it all much more complicated. So I think it's yes and. Technologies, no question that different types of generation are creating complexity in the generation mix and in managing the wholesale system that we didn't have 20 or 30 years ago. No question. Those ultimately going to be beneficial? Absolutely. The question is how do we evolve the systems to incorporate them? And I think we're seeing the same thing as we look at the distribution side. The distribution grid is tremendously more complex today than it was 20 years ago. You know, when you think about all the resources that you mentioned, electric vehicles, rooftop solar, battery storage, we are now treating the distribution side of the system and load as fungible in a way that it was not before. We're seeing VPPs emerge and they are having a real impact on the way the grid is operated. And I think that's only going to grow over time. So technology introduces complexity. The reason we implement all of this is because we have an opportunity to make the power system cleaner, more reliable and more cost effective. I think those are all in the offing with the technology that we have. From an integrated system planning perspective, I think what we're seeing is that the technologies are introducing complexities within each part of the system. So within generation, within transmission, and within distribution. It also creates complexity across the interfaces between those pieces of the value chain. And this is where I think integrated system planning is going to help us optimize across those three portions of the energy sector, as well as across the technologies. Because again, right now, we don't have the ability to look at those effectively. Back to your technology point, we do have tools on the modeling side that are starting to bridge this gap in terms of the data and modeling practices across those three parts of the value chain. So we are seeing products emerge that are enabling us to assess trade-offs effectively, whether it's within the electric system or importantly, between electric and gas, which is becoming another area of integrated system planning that's getting a lot of attention. Another angle is do utilities need to be considering the public perception and trust angle? That is, you know, how they are performing and balancing the elements of reliability and affordability and clean energy and the reality that they may be weighing those factors differently than certain stakeholders across their service area might prefer. So do they need to consider public perception? Absolutely. That old saying, you can make some of the people happy all the time and all the people happy some of the time, but you can't make all the people happy all the time could not be more true in this case, because the good news, bad news story about the era that we're in, it used to be that utilities only saw what we called interveners thought when they filed a rate case. So you had a rate case, you had interveners, you kind of figured that out and the utility got their settlement. Now what we're seeing is very broad 
stakeholder processes that are trying to incorporate all of the needs of these various groups. And they're often at odds with one another. It's a very messy process, we'll put it that way. And I think this is a place where educating about the trade-offs becomes really, really important. Everyone is going to come at these questions with their own lens. I've worked with utilities for a long time. So candidly, I probably bring a a utility-like lens to some of these questions. No doubt many other stakeholders in this process will bring different perspectives that are equally important. The one thing I can say is that whenever we're engaging stakeholders on difficult topics, respectful and engaged approach by everybody is, is really important. And I think if we can maintain that, we have hope of starting to get to solutions that, again, they say the best compromise is one where no one's happy. Perhaps that's the right answer. At least be a process that everyone who participates in it understands and is able to say, yes, they were given the opportunity to participate. And I think more and more of these proceedings are opening in that in that direction. Yeah, I think I think that approach is definitely beneficial for everyone, all the stakeholders, no matter your position. And this has been great. And, and we really appreciate your insights. And so we wrap up our conversation now. I want to kind of give you an opportunity. What's the lasting message? Our listeners are listening in and, and they only take one thing away from today's conversation. What do you hope that message is? These topics are complex and challenging. And I think anyone who's been in this industry, even for a little while, can appreciate that. In my view, education and ongoing dialogue with regulators, customers, and other stakeholders is really critical, both to making sure that everyone understands the trade-offs across reliability, affordability, and clean energy to reaching solutions around those trade-offs. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today to talk about this. Absolutely. And we we thank you, you for your time and your insights for sharing the details of that recent talk we mentioned earlier and and its follow-up impact with our Energy Central audience. So no doubt the utility listeners who tune into our podcast were taking notes today. And if they have questions or comments, we do invite them to share those on the Energy Central post for this episode where you and your team will remain available to keep that conversation going. But for now, thank you again one more time for your insights today. Thanks very much, Matt. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Likewise. You can always reach Kristen through the Energy Central portal, where she welcomes your questions and comments. We also want to give a shout out of thanks to the podcast sponsor that made today's episode possible. So thanks to Scott Madden. Scott Madden is a management consulting firm serving clients across the energy utility ecosystem. Areas of focus include transmission and distribution, the grid edge, generation, energy markets, rates and regulations, corporate sustainability, and corporate services. The firm helps clients develop and implement strategies improve critical operations, reorganize departments and entire companies, and implement myriad initiatives. Once again, I'm your host, Matt Chester. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com. And we'll see you next time at the Energy Central Power Perspectives Podcast. Mm -hmm.